Welcome to another episode of ASX Market Goss. For about 30 minutes, we're going to dig a little deeper with ASX small cap companies, their focus, the future, the highs and lows, and what's next. Part of the conversation is to get to know our guests at a personal level, their experiences, their mentors, their slips and slides, even down to their coffee of choice and lice away from their share price and investment decision making. And today's guest is Bruce Melieu-ish, Managing Director of VRX Silica, ASX code VRX. And when I talk about getting to know Bruce and getting to know him personally, that's not the part that he wants to chat about. We appreciate your time. Thanks, Tim. It's good to be here. <laughs> well, just, uh, one thing I know when I was given the brief that we were chatting today, you just want to tell people what silica is, where it pops up in everyday life, because it is a lot more prevalent than a lot of people would understand or believe. That's exactly the problem. Um, I do spend a lot of time trying to educate public and you know, <laughs> potential shareholders and uh, the market in general about silica sand, because it, it is. It's one of those products you don't think about. You know, when you drive your car, you don't look out through the windscreen and think, oh, that's 75% silica. But it is. Uh, the tyres you're driving around on is 50% silica. The LCDs you're looking at, the LEDs in your car and your lights, uh, they're all, uh, they're all uh, based on silica sand. Unfortunately, none of these products are made in Australia. So they are all imported. So even government agencies and, and governments themselves have never really had an exposure to silica sand. Um, and it's despite the fact that we use it everywhere and we're completely surrounded by it all the time. So how have you been surrounded by it? How long have you been in the silica sand space? Not long. Um, in 2017, I happened to read an article. I, I, I can't quite uh, recall which magazine it was. I think it was The Economist, and I think it was sitting in a doctor's surgery, which is the only place you ever see those magazines. <laughs> And I happened to read in there that China had made silica sand a strategic mineral, which puts it in the same bag as uranium and rare earth. And I thought, silica sand? You've got to be kidding me. Why? You know, and, I, and so I did a bit of research on it. And I thought, oh, it must be very specific or specialised silica sand. But I found, in fact, the problem in Asia is they're running out of silica sand. Now, when you think silica sand, you think the beach. Um, nice white sand down there, but in fact that's predominantly calcium carbonate. So it's shell grit, it's you know uh, little critters all crushed up. Um, so it's it, there is silica sand in there, but not enough to make it useful. Um, and also when you think about deserts, uh, the fact that the deserts are you know they are an orangey red colour predominantly, that is iron. And when it comes to most of the silica products, iron is the enemy. So uh, it's, and also if you're making most silica products, you need an inert sand. So it has to be very high in silica and very low in everything else, particularly iron, which oxidizes, rusts. So it's not an inert sand. So desert sands are not suitable for almost all silica products, including concrete. Now, it's also not suitable for concrete because it's all windblown sand. It's got rounded off edges and you need nice jagged edges to make strong concrete so it will bind together. So they're not suitable. So if you discount all the deserts, discount all the beaches, <laughs> you're not left with a lot more sand. Where are you finding this? Do you make it or do you find it? Uh, you find it and it's eroded. Uh, here, 
we are sitting smack dab on top of, well, this is predominantly limestone where we are, but Perth City sits on a silica sand dune system, which is eroded from the Darling Scarp. So when I read this article, I started looking around all of Australia. I didn't particularly want to go overseas. started looking for silica sand deposits. And there are some in, in northern Queensland. In fact, the single largest exporter of silica sand in the world is at Cape Flattery in northern Queensland. Even people in Queensland don't even know it's been going on. And Mitsubishi have been there for 50 years exporting silica sand. So I looked elsewhere and lo and behold, the best deposits I could find were right in our backyard. So I started looking for sand that had been eroded from the Darling Scarp. And there's a dune system that sits in front of the Darling Scarp that extends from Geraldton to Busselton. So all the dunes that you see inland, uh, if you, you drive down south, Forest Highway, you look to your right, there's all those little dunes up there. And most of them are conservation parks because farmers couldn't grow anything in those sort of sand because it's loose sand, it's not soil. So most of it ended up in conservation parks because nobody else wanted it. So the conservation parks extend from Busselton to Geraldton except for a couple of little patches, which we happen to pick up. So we're looking for granite-based sands. They've eroded from granites, um, which, which are predominantly silica and feldspar. So uh, and all, all you do is wash the feldspar out, you're left with silica sand. But I also was looking for the logistics. So it needed, in our case, a railway line nearby, and also on what it was termed then vacant crown land is now unallocated crown land, so that the only stakeholders we had were native title holders and the state itself. So we didn't want to be dealing with lots of little farmers. And in fact, the best deposits we could find, there were no farmers there because it's loose sand. The farmers didn't want it. And we found a couple of patches that were on unallocated crown land. And they're our, uh, our main projects. So it's been a whirlwind seven years. You've had to educate yourself, thanks to the Doctor's Surgery magazine. Yeah. Are, you, are you still learning? Oh, every day. Um, fortunately, we've been able to um, get the services of our, our marketing manager who has been involved in silica sand for 19 years. Um, and he's been involved in all aspects from production to marketing. There's not a silica sand project anywhere in Asia, though I think that he hasn't been to, uh, not so much China, but anywhere, he's Korean, he's based in KL, uh, but any projects in Korea, Japan, Taiwan, Philippines, Malaysia, and Australia, there's hardly a silica sand project he hasn't been to. And there's hardly a market he doesn't understand. So he has been a big part of a, a very steep learning curve that we've had around silica sand. So how do you convince prospective investors and shareholders that this could be a good space to get involved in? Not easy, um, mainly because there's, there's only one end of the equation they can really get any research on, and that's the supply side of it. The end user is very difficult to research because there are hundreds of products made from silica sand. Now, the main one we're aiming for is glass. But if you're just talking glass, there are quite a number of different varieties of glass, from you know windscreens, from automobile glass, to flat glass in windows. Mm. But more so these days around 
um, ultra clear glass, which is the piece of glass that goes over solar panels. And yep. that is a market that is just going crazy. Now, that's a particular sand you require that is extremely difficult to find. We happen to have a couple of hundred million tonnes of it just north of Mushe. But it's probably one of the world's largest high-grade silica sand deposits that's suitable for making solar panel glass without a lot of processing. You can take almost any sand and acid wash it to get it to that sort of quality, but that's a very expensive and not so easy exercise. So, But we've got sand there that is almost at that quality in the ground, and we process it a little, and we get to that quality. So it can make ultra-clear glass. Every glass manufacturer in Asia wants to be making that glass because solar panels are growing at 30% per year. And in fact, with all the aims of all the, uh, the, the zero-carbon aspirations of every government around the world at the moment, there are not enough solar panels, and mm. I don't think there ever will be mm. myself, mm. but it's an enormous demand. So we had that demand at one of our projects. Um, that's not the first project we're setting up, though. Uh, the first project will be suitable for flat glass, automobile glass, containers. But really, our end game here in WA is to be making glass here in WA. We haven't done that since the 70s. Bruce Melhewish is with us, VRX Silica, ASX code VRX, and we're talking, of course, uh, a space that not many people know about. So are you winning? Oh, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's quite a number of people following the progress. Um, but, you know, it has, it has a number of hurdles to get through. Um, the, the area of each of the projects is quite large. It's around 400 hectares, all of which we're going to mine and rehabilitate. So our first project, we've got a fairly unique rehabilitation process. We call it vegetation direct transfer, um, which has taken some while to have the EPA accept that, ex to accept basically that it is a superior method than the traditional method of bulldoze to one side, dig it out, and bulldoze it back. Uh, this is a lot more sophisticated. It's on our website, um, but it's but. That, is one, that was one of the hurdles to convince them that it is a superior method, but the other one is the area. And you know, 400 hectares is a quite a big project. Now, it'll last us 30-odd years, uh, and in fact, the total project is 1,000 hectares and it'll last 100 years. Uh, but the initial area is about a 30-year production area. That's a big area. Um, so the EPA have to get their head, head around that as well. And if you know of anybody dealing with government agencies these days, <laughs> it's a it's a battle. Um, it's you know I've been in the industry for more than forty years, and I've been doing environmental approvals ever since I started, one way or another. And I think uh, one of the early projects I did in the eighties took two weeks to get approvals. It took me about two weeks to write the um, the uh, submission. And I actually walked it around the mines department and the only department we dealt with was the mines department and they had an environmental department. Now there's about 12 different agencies involved <laughs> and they all want to have their say and they've all got to be convinced. So this compartmentalisation that's going on in the government um, has just made the process 
so much longer that it becomes you know, extremely significant. It moves through the process, but, but awfully slow. Bruce, so you talk about seven years ago, roughly, being in the doctor's surgery and looking at the magazine about silica sand and the like, and you've gone off in this space and it sounds like you've got great energy in regards to making it work and the education of, of those who don't know much about it. The only thing I know about Mushe is that Ted Hickling used to train his horses from there and Alan Matthews, who's trained about seven Perth Cup winners, also trains out at Mushe. Um, that's not far out of Perth to make this work for you. When you talk about all the other areas and where it is, and it's right in our very own backyard. It, exactly, exactly. And it's extremely high quality. Um, and it's got a railway line next door to it. Uh, it's got Brand Highway. It's only a few kilometres mm. away. The railway line connects to Quinana. So it has a lot of those attributes. It's actually got two gas pipelines run through the middle of the project. So when we start talking about maybe making glass there, we've got extremely high-quality silica sand. We've got some of the cheapest LNG in the world now here in WA. Um, And a number of the other ingredients that you require to make glass are also produced here in WA. It's it's getting very close to almost an economic imperative that we are making glass here and ultimately solar panels. If you, you know, Australia is got lots of sun. <laughs> we're going to need an awful lot of solar panels if we're going to get anywhere near our carbon zero aspirations. So who are you, what doors are you knocking on in regards to the solar panel space to, to make the glass, whether they don't have to source it from overseas or anywhere else? From a technical aspect, we're in discussions with a number of the world's largest glass manufacturers. Now, as it happens, there's an enormous amount of R&D goes into glass manufacturing. In Europe particularly, they're using a lot of, uh, a lot of R&D going into using renewables for preheating. To make glass, you basically put silica sand, soda ash, dolomite and lime together, which incidentally are all opaque, and you heat it up to about 1600 degrees and you get a liquid which you can then pour, or in fact you you float it over molten tin so for float glass, Um, and then it becomes transparent. Most of those ingredients are are here in WA, and if we don't make soda ash, but we have lime, we have dolomite, we've got sand. Um, If you've got LNG, you can make soda ash. So we have the ingredients here, but 80% of the cost of producing glass is energy. So this the company in, um, in Europe is, is doing an enormous amount of work on using renewables for preheating. But there's also a, uh, it's now a Japanese company, it uh, uh, has also produced glass using hydrogen. So... We're in hydrogen, we're in renewable central for WA, and we're going to be in hydrogen central in WA as well. Now, not having to transport hydrogen very far to maybe a glass manufacturing factory is a, is a great, uh, great solution. Mm-hmm. So, we're talking to a number of those companies, um, and one of the other issues, and there's, there's a requirement to do that as well because the IP to make ultra clear glass is not in Australia. We've got one flat glass manufacturer in Australia. It's in Dandenong. And the price of gas is killing them on the East Coast. So I'm not sure how long they'll last. There are five 
container glass factories, which in 2021 were bought by Visi. Visi recognises that glass is going to replace plastic packaging. Uh, and they bought all those from a company called Owens, Illinois, which is an American company, a billion-dollar deal, and they're spending a lot of money on upgrading those projects. Um, and that's it for glass manufacturing for Australia. China's got 270 glass manufacturing facilities. You know, uh, Malaysia has six of them under construction. It's um, it's an industry, particularly around solar panels and uh, and and the glass required for solar panels, is a growing industry like you wouldn't believe. So, is there anyone out there who's going to build the factory, and in particular, maybe well, Mushay, so you don't have to move it too far? Yeah, ideally, ideally, yeah. Um, and, and there's a labour source nearby. Um, it's yeah, we're trying to entice one of the major companies to come down here. Now, to do that, we need a bit of government support. We're in a bit of a catch-22 at the moment. The government would like to see the, the company come down here and the company would like to see a bit of government support. So we're lobbying with, uh, with the government. We get uh, a lot of support from Roger Cook uh, when he was um, uh, Minister for State Development and, and in which a portfolio, portfolio he's taken with him, uh, which is great news for us because we've spent a fair bit of time educating him and many of the other ministers. We spend a lot of time lobbying state and federal ministers. They all think it's a fabulous idea. Get the government to, uh, to do anything more than that, um, it's, a, it's been a battle. Because nobody understands glass or silica sand. Well, you've been trying to educate our listeners to the ASX market goss today. Bruce, I'm going to go back to, uh, of course, uh, VRX Silica in a moment. And I know when asked to, to come in and have a chat and, and educate the listeners and possible investors and shareholders about silica and where, when, why and how in the future, uh, we did ask about, we do delve a little bit uh, personal he said, nah, don't worry about that stuff. I just want to tell it. I just want to educate people in regards to silica sand. But just tell us life away from, from this space. What I mean, you were a long-time Fremantle Dockers harbour. You were an original harbour master <laughs> way back then. You have uh, sort of now have an interest, I'm sure, in the Dockers, but not as, as invested as you used to. What else tickles your fancy? Um, I used to get to the footy fairly regularly, but don't seem to find time to uh, find a full afternoon these days. Although I do find a bit of time to play some golf. So play golf around Perth and... Member and anywhere? I'd, member? No, no. no I just hack around? Be, I wouldn't be a member of anybody that had me as a member. Um, <laughs> so no, usually public courses, but we like to mix it up. We play around. There's lots of good courses. Royal Wembley is the best. I love Royal Wembley. Wembley. We play regularly Araluen. And yeah, Meadow, nice. Meadow Springs. Uh, Araluan's always always intrigued me. Araluan, and when you go off the fairways, that that's hard. Oh, that's hard stuff. Exactly. That's hard red dirt. Those rocks. <laughs> oh yeah, it takes a bit off the bottom of your club. <laughs> it does. But uh, that's a beautiful layout. Yeah, it is a beautiful a layout. Great, great yeah. location. Um, you got to buggy your way around. Funny them, enough, the, the bunkers up there need a bit of work, so we're going to have to have a chat to them about bunker sand. How do you get out there? That might be the next thing. One of the products we can produce. It's it's actually a very specific sand that yeah. goes into uh, bunkers. It's, get to Golf WA, mate. Get across yeah. there. Get it. Get yeah, well, we need to get it up in the end of production. We'll go and have a chat to them all. Um, yeah, smart move. But, but you'd be surprised around the sporting world, uh, the sporting fields, the amount of silica sand. You know, Optus Oval's got about half a metre of silica sand mm. underneath mm. it for drainage. Mm. 
So and you see all of all the modern stadiums and modern grounds these days. Mm. You can get fifty mil overnight. Next day, it's drained. It's a it's a hell of a system. So when you're on your your uh, the education process, and you say you answer these questions all the time when people are asking what it is, and you try to educate them. Do you, are you, is it striking a chord? Do you think you're winning with regards to the education? Because this is what you all seem to do. Now, this is something that's been in your wheelhouse for seven years. Yeah. Do you think we're understanding or do you think you've got a way to go? And, and people who are listening to this podcast right now, I reckon they've been educated as much as I have in the last 20-odd minutes. But just tell us why they should jump on board because you are completely confident that this is the way to go. Um, two reasons. One, Asia is literally running out. They're using, mainly because of concrete. Concrete is using up every available bit of silica sand. And all that stimulus spending that's been going on in Asia is infrastructure. Infrastructure equals concrete. It's the main reason why the iron ore price is so high, just rebar for concrete. So that is using up enormous amounts of silica sand. And to get the high-grade silica sand... You can either take silica sand that's being used for concrete and beneficiate it up to the quality to make glass, or you go and find some better quality. The better quality uh, sand in Asia comes out of freshwater rivers and lakes, which is unsustainable. I can I can tell you right now, there part that part of the industry is going hell for leather in Asia because they know they're going to get chopped out of that supply, so that supply is going to dry up. Um, you know, they're down to the point where they're taking hard rock quartzite, crushing and grinding it to make artificial sand, that, which is a very expensive exercise. And we can certainly mine it a lot cheaper than that. And also we've got 1.4 billion tonnes. We don't need to go exploring for more sand. All we've got to do is get through this hurdle of approvals, which... Uh, we just put out an announcement last Friday. We're at the point where our project at Arrowsmith North, which sits between Eniaber and Dongra, um, that's about to get uh, published for for public review. Now, that's a serious big hurdle because it really means the EPA has accepted our uh, rehabilitation method, which is a great deal. And you need that same for Mushape? Yes, yeah, yeah. Do you put a time frame on that or are you just in the lap of the gods? Um, I've never been right with the timetable yet. <laughs> um, and in fact, uh, the EPA has given us timetables before on, on parts of the, uh, of the process and they've never kept those timetables either. So um, it'll, be a few, it'll be a few months for that project and probably a year for uh, Mushay. Tell us a bit about the, your investors, just if you could give a snapshot without giving too much away. The, the, the investor, the shareholder that has come in now in regards to their belief that this you, you're, you're building them with confidence, that this will be the way to go and is the way to go. Tell us about people who have jumped on board. Uh, I think slowly but slowly people who have understood the market uh, and the market shortage uh, and they're getting a hold of that. There's Since we've pivoted into this commodity, there's been a number of other companies that have jumped on board and it was developing as a bit of a sector, but most of those are running into similar issues that we're sort of almost through. Yep. Um, and I think the investors now are recognising that we are easily the most advanced 
project in uh, on, listed on the ASX. Uh, and um, I, I think they've also started to recognise that uh, the, the other attributes to a project with water and engineering, all those have been addressed already. So we're well in front of the, uh, the pack. It sounds like you are. Uh, do you have a work motto, you personally? Do you, if you, again, I say this to every guest that comes in, would you, if you've uh, got a blank wall here, what do you, what, what do you work off? What's your um, motto about the working life of, of this company? Strangely enough, I'm fairly parochial WA. <laughs> um, and I would, this, I, I see this as a commodity that can be very, very long to 100 year plus um, for, um, for WA. And I think some of the attributes that we've got in WA, as it happens, can set it up as a relatively new commodity, even though Australia's been exporting for 50 years. Not for, and there are a number of projects in WA in private companies. Um, but the scale we're looking at, I can see it only being a very good uh, future uh, for, for this sort of thing in WA. And I'd like to take it a little bit further, not just go and export silica sand, but to start making glass here in WA, potentially solar panels. So you're thinking local, go local. Yeah, this is absolutely, no, but yeah, very local, very local. So, you know, uh, we've, we've got a lot of advantages here in WA that other states in Australia don't have and certainly a lot of countries don't have. You know, we've got an energy source here. Thank you, Alan Carpenter, setting up the domestic uh, reserve. Um, you know, it's the rest of Australia is looking on with envy at the fact that we have, you know, 5% of the production dedicated to domestic use. The worst thing is that we're not very good at manufacturing here in WA. Mm. Pretty good at digging up stuff <laughs> um, and, you know, to a certain extent processing it. And, in fact, probably world leaders in both of those. But we don't make stuff. And, uh, and I think we can change that. All righty. So now uh, the time to pitch to those who are listening to this podcast and whether they just be, wow, I've been educated about silica sand or I, want, I need to know more, why should they get on board? Let's talk about people who have just got some floating money who are thinking about investing in something with some confidence based on what you're telling us over the last half hour. Uh, here's your pitch. What do you got? Well, silica sand for one, and uh, as I said, that's a it's a, a demand that's increasing and a supply that's decreasing. Uh, doesn't take a lot of economics one hundred and one to work out that uh, the price is going to increase. Uh, and we've got lots of it. We've got one point four billion tons. We've got five projects. Strangely enough, they are all subtly different. And even though we've got five projects of one point four billion tons. We're, we're looking at probably 15, 20 different markets because they are all a little bit different. And it may be in the mineralogy or it may be in the sizing, but they go to different markets. So they're not competing with, with each other for one. But also we've got, you know, ultimately, we'll have five projects up and running. Glass manufacturing, solar panels, foundry casting, construction and building materials, water and air filtration, sports and recreation, oil and gas, paint, extender, filler, and LCDs. And that's all something that, uh, as you touched on, they're, they're just, all... They're just have a no, few of the products. Yeah, yeah, people have no idea. Nope. Nobody thinks Well, I don't. It. No. I've got no idea about lots of things, but certainly silica sand is not one of them until I've 
sat and chatted with you. Yeah. So just in regards to... Um, right here. Yeah, there's a glass of water right in front of our, our guest in Bruce Mount Hewish. So, Bruce, when? I know, I know you said you're not good in timings, but give me a win if you can give our listeners and the possible investors and shareholders an idea of when. Uh, technically, the, this last um, segment of the EPA is three and four months. I suspect a little bit longer, but not much longer, and then six months to build the plant. The plant is uh, not overly sophisticated. It's, it's relatively simple. So then we can be in production. Well, again, I came in here having no idea about silica sand. I'm, and the fact is we're surrounded by it once it's been manufactured and it's out there. But also the fact is that there's so many deposits right in our own, very much our own backyard. Sure. And the clean stuff is Mouchet. Mouchet. Nice work. Hey, thanks for coming in. Terrific. Bruce nice Melhewish, yeah, Managing Director, VRX Silica, of course. That's another episode of ASX Market Goss, and we love your feedback. Make a comment, like us, share us, tell us about your colleagues, and tell the story, too, of Bruce and the team at VRX Silica as well. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever platform you're listening on, iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and rss.com. Like us, leave a comment, rate us, and give us your feedback. And don't forget, keep an ear and an eye out for the next episode. And until then, we'll keep digging. You never know, we might find some silica sand right there to find more guests to chat about with their ASX market goss story. VRX Silica, Bruce Melhewish, Managing Director. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Tim. The content of this podcast is intended to be general in nature and is not personal financial product advice. It does not address the circumstances of any individual or entity. You should not construe any of this information or other part of the material as legal, tax, investment, financial, or other professional advice. ASX Market Goss and its employees are not financial advisors. You should consider seeking independent legal, financial, taxation, or other advice to check how any information relates to your unique circumstances. Nothing contained in this podcast constitutes a solicitation, recommendation, endorsement, or offer by ASX Market Goss or any third party to buy or sell any securities or other financial instruments in this or any other jurisdiction in which such solicitation or offer would be unlawful under securities laws of such jurisdiction.